Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Education Insider. I'm Jacob Hansen, the CEO at PRP Group, and your host for today. Uh, I hope that you joined us for our previous episode with leadership from Meriden Public Schools, where we started to dive into the spanning impact of um, teacher shortages and how that's affecting all of us companies in education as well. Uh, I've got today another dear friend of mine and true thought leader in education, Mr. Carl Hooker, uh, the former director of innovation for EANS ISD in Austin, Texas. Um, and I'd say just current director of innovation across the board. Uh, he and I are going to follow up on our conversation with Mark and Barb and talk a little more about teacher shortages, but also share some, some great insights into where and how education companies fit into the mix. Full transparency, um, your episode two for me. Two questions. One is, what's the name of the show? Uh, the Education Insider. There you go. And then second thing is, what's your sign-off? Do you have a, call, a sign-off at the end? So interesting you say that. I've recorded like 100 different sign-offs. So there's a lot of different ones we've toyed around with. But, you know, th the problem that I have is like everything I say, I you know, I don't want to be gimmicky. I want it. So at the end of the day, I want to listen to the conversation I have with you. I want to listen to the one I had with them. We're going to record an internal episode. And then we'll we'll probably actually even try a few um, and, you know, ask people to, to let us know about it and what they think. Okay. Well, welcome everybody to this episode of the Education Insider. I've got one of my favorite people in the education world here with me, Mr. Carl Hooker. How you doing today, Carl? Woohoo, doing great. Thanks for having me, Jacob. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it, I would have been remiss to, to launch a podcast and and not have you on uh, on at least one episode. You know, we've known each other for a really long time. You know, I, I was actually thinking about this this morning that I met you as a salesperson for a startup that never existed. <laughs> and I could never get you to, or it doesn't exist anymore, um, but it, it, I, oh, I couldn't get you to I buy you, anything. I thought you meant it was a startup that didn't actually ever exist. No, like, and you're, you know, I, yeah, you're such a good salesman. You almost sold me on it yeah, too. Right, I was like, right? man, that's a really good idea. And you're like, great, it doesn't exist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they, they got bought up and they're, they don't exist anymore. But I remember not being able to sell to you. And, and you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. You liked what we had, but it didn't fit with your plans. And, you know, that's where I kind of got my first lesson because, you know, you were you were held in high regard you know, by my boss, by the people that were coaching me and what I was doing in my role. And, you know, you kind of hit on the fact that it didn't fit with your plans. And so that's kind of part of what we're here to dig into today. But before we, we do that, I'd love for you to share kind of some of your background with the audience. For those of you who don't know Carl, he is a, star, a rock star. He is the godfather of iPad Palooza, you know, all of that kind of like my company actually honored Carl with a thought leadership of the year yep. award for the work that he does and, and among many others. But you know, I, I hate to say you're the man that needs no introduction, but let, let's give the introduction anyways. Thank you so much for that, Jacob, too. And I'm a you know, former school teacher. I'm here in Austin, Texas. I've been here pretty much since I went to college. I've never left. Much like everybody else that comes to Austin, they never leave, which is why this place is ex exploding. Became an administrator. Worked in lots of different school settings, but I, mean, I worked in the east side of town where we had a 97% low economic and low socioeconomic area love working in that community did a lot of work with computer early on computer labs for for not only kids but also for adults and parents in the community is and this then, like oregon trail early yeah not that early <laughs> i would say it's like a reader rabbit like okay. cd-rom type stuff yeah and then i went to the other side of town which was 97 percent non-lower socioeconomic 
Eanes Westlake, which is where Jacob and I met. And um, on that side of town, again, what was amazing to me is that both sides of town, both had different problems, but both sets had kids that had different issues. And it wasn't just because these kids had more money that they had different issues. They just had different kinds of stresses. And so it was amazing to me to see some of the differences that said, that was definitely a community that, that had, that didn't have any want for need of anything. So we started our, our one-to-one program there in 2011. And it was really the first, I would say K to 12 in the state of Texas, at least was the first K to 12 one-to-one program with iPads in the country at the time. And that kind of got us off the ground. And then iPad Palooza came as a result of that because we wanted to do a conference, but we didn't want to call it a conference. In fact, it had to be called a learning festival because if you called it a conference, I kicked you out. And so that was always a joke. People would always be like, this is a great car, uh, learning festival, Carl. Thank you for bringing me. I'm like, good. Cause I don't want to kick you out. Um, and just from there, you know, we've been doing lots of different things. So I, I quit. So I started as a director, I was a director of instructional technology is where I met Jacob the first time in that first company that he was working with, then became a director of innovation. I left the district role in 2019 to become a full-time public speaker, consultant, and advisor for startup companies, things that I really love to do. And, and really a lot of the work of what this podcast is about, which is like, what is the, in, what is the inside of K-12 look like? What is it that makes us tick? And what are the challenges that we're facing, especially when it comes to like messaging and, and questions from, from vendors and, and businesses that are like, hey, why am I not getting any responses from these guys? You know, it's timing. I mean, if it's December, we're recording this on a Friday, December 4th. If you send an email right now, you're not going to get anything until January. <laughs> so uh, it's all about timing. So and I think that's kind of what got us to where we're. So Jacob and I also now we started doing some influencer stuff. He, he kind of helped me uh, guide me a lot on getting that influencer network up and running, which was really born out of the pandemic because we have a lot of amazing educational friends that you and I both know. And a lot of them were out without jobs and without business because, you know, the, the pandemic shut everything down. So we thought what a great opportunity to work with them on, on amplifying the brands of companies that they love. And, and that's really what it turned into. And so that's that was a, kind of a side project that continues to grow to this day, actually. Well, and thank you for sharing all that, Carl. You know, like all that that you shared is why, one of the reasons why I think you're a unique person to have on the show because you speak from both sides. And even while you were still in your district role, I know that you were able to advise in certain capacities with, with companies. And so you have one of those very unique perspectives, both, you know, pre-post pandemic, as I know you still intersect with a lot of the same types of, of decision makers now. So I guess I'd love to throw out there just a question to see what your thoughts are is what's different, you know, now versus when you left two years ago with regard to ed tech, you know, curriculum adoptions, that kind of thing, or is, is nothing different? Is it just same old, same old with a pandemic? I, I think it's, it's amplified. I think if anything, ed tech in general, I, I, I always tell people this, I feel like the pandemic was the ed tech super bowl, or it is the ed tech super bowl, meaning this was all the stuff for a decade and a half of, of being in leadership positions of what I've been preaching to teachers and preaching to parents about why it's important to have access to technology, but some communities just didn't think it was that important. And when this hit immediately, all those communities thought it was important. So they've thrown a ton of devices and a ton of hardware and, and access points and hotspots to kids, which needed to happen. We needed to bridge that gap and it's still not all the way closed, but at least some of that access is finally getting overcome. But as a result of that, you've now got all these districts that have, for the first time getting devices are now getting flooded with information about ed tech companies. Like, oh, here's a new resource for you to try out and check out this free thing. And da, da, da. on top of that, there's federal funds that are coming their way that they have to spend and they have to use <laughs> a little bit of it for ed tech. So I think, in some ways, it's been great because I feel like we've stepped finally that, that, that future that we keep talking about. We've, we've fast forwarded five years in the span of 18 months. Um, but this, this 
concern and the worry is what capacity are we at as leaders in these schools to even make up sense of all of it? Because they're having to learn stuff that it took me 10 years to learn, but they're mm -hmm. having to do it in 18 months. So part of my consulting is to say like, I can bring you 10 years worth of knowledge and, and try to help you on this path. And a lot of them are like, yes, please, whatever. Just tell us like what we're doing wrong. Like, <laughs> That's easy. But it's, they just, they, they need some direction. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. I'm excited about the future. I'm always excited about the future. You know me, I'm a positive person, but uh, I'm also a little bit concerned, like, let's make sure that we're not making, you know, massive mistakes in terms of purchasing just quick and easy, low-hanging fruit software that just puts kids on rinse and repeat repetitive task type systems. Because I see that a lot, especially, unfortunately, in underserved communities, oh. they get the kind of remediation software versus the other communities, which get the creative entrepreneurial stuff, which I think all communities need access to. When, and do you see it, has that been influenced at all by like, you know, everything was free for a while. Free has lost its luster because of the pandemic, which is fine. You know, I, I think free has its place, but you know, the, the things you're saying, I mean, a lot of that, was it driven by necessity, you know, teachers, principals, whatever, that are just downloading whatever they could do to, 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 you know, reach their kids or get through the day maybe. Yeah, they, they, it was definitely a scattershot approach, especially when the, when, you know, that spring break started of two years ago and everyone just went on zoom. They're like, okay, grab anything you can. And so, of course, Zoom immediately became free for, you know, 40 or whatever it was for education for a little while. And then every tool after that, like this works with Zoom, this works with Zoom. You saw the marketing change overnight, which is smart. If you're a company, I'd advise you to do the same thing. Like, here's how we can help you as teachers. And then it was always free for a while, free for 90 days, free for maybe a year, which was great. I felt like companies were pitching in, knowing that obviously they're doing it because they want you to be in the platform. And any company I advise, I say, you want users. I mean... It's nice to have this big money and this big check coming in and mm -hmm. all this stuff. You got to have users. If nobody's using your stuff, I mean, you can have one school that's using it and paying you, but I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather have a million users for free than 10 that are paying because it'll end up paying off later on down the road. Again, taking on my, off my administrator hat and putting on my advisor hat. That's what I would say. So yeah, to answer your question, I think what's happened with this kind of movement toward free is absolutely right. The free has lost its luster. It's got to be free and what else? What else are you going to offer me besides just free? Because I can get free anywhere. So you got to step up your game and say like, oh, we're going to give you free plus a level of reporting and insight that you never had before, communication tools to give to your communities. I mean, extra things that 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 these people need, they definitely need it because they are like, I, we're just grabbing whatever we can. I had Dr. Mark Benigni, the superintendent of schools from, from Meriden and, and his director of instruction and, and uh, innovation, Barbara Hafner on, and they said, you know, as far as products, what they're expecting from them, those kinds of things, their, their asks haven't changed since before the pandemic, but they were a, a digital first district for a long time. Where do you see virtual? Where is virtual here to stay for good? Yeah, I think so. I think a part of it is, I think there's a component of virtual that's going to stay. It's going to have to for for two different reasons for one we're we're facing a massive a massive teacher shortage and a massive just leadership shortage right the great resignation is a real thing and so we're gonna have to figure out ways as schools to break from this norm and this thought that we have to do traditional in-person as our only form of instructional delivery we got to start diversifying that in some some level so one way that you do that is you can start outsourcing some of this stuff to other teachers in the us other teachers in your state ones that are willing to work from home maybe just work part-time I think the tragedy of what's happening in a lot of schools is that we this made us realize that a lot of our system, we already knew this, it was broken, but it proved that it was because now, okay, I want to teach a computer science class and I've got 12 kids that are interested, but I've got no one that can teach it. Or I'm going to stick the coach in there because I have to pay him full time because he's a full-time employee. Why do we continue to do that? Why not just say, I've got a person in, 
Iowa that's willing to teach this class for one hour. We're going to just pay them a, a contractor stipend. They don't even have to be an employee. I mean, we can start thinking differently about that. And I think I've seen some ground laying of that now. Honestly, you and I probably won't see this really come to fruition for the next three or four years. But I think that's going to be the path going forward is traditional in-person is still going to be the core. But now you're going to have these outliers of virtual kind of built around it. And then there'll be some that just just go all in and like we're just virtual for forever. I mean, they, they've had virtual schools for a while, but that just is going to continue to grow and homeschooling. Barb and Mark shared a really interesting story of what they decided to do. And I, I can't remember the name of the course. I'm going to have to go back and look at that, that episode. But they had a course where it was they didn't have enough kids in either of their high schools. They have two high schools to offer it, but they were able to work it out that one teacher at one campus, those eight kids or however many are in the class are there. And then the kids at the other high school are joining virtually. Perfect. You know, we didn't get into all the weeds on it, but it's that's kind of what they looked yes. at like in their district. But then the other thing I thought was really cool that they did, you know, around this was their neighboring district had two teachers that they were going to have to lay off. It was whether they went virtual or were going to be hybrid, but these these teachers were um, compromised. They couldn't be in the classroom. And then Meriden, the Barbara Marks district, they had a teacher that they were not going to be able to retain because they didn't have enough kids, that kind of thing. And so they worked out a swap with their neighboring district. Uh. Those two compromised teachers te are teaching virtual classes right now for Meriden students, still being paid by their home district. And Meriden provided their teacher who's teaching the in-person classes they couldn't cover. Love and then it. Meriden provided PD. So, you know, while they still, of course, are feeling the pinch, it was interesting to hear from them some of the things they're thinking of, you know, and then how does that affect stuff, you know? In some cases, like if that's not happening, you know, the principal's going to have to end up being there. And then what are they not getting to? Who are they not helping? Right. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like an, an endless cycle. Kudos for them. It's an outside the box thinking. It's like, hey, we have a problem. We have people, but we have these, these geographic borders that continue to be the thing that stifles kids and learning. Because I happen to live in this part of the community, I get offered these electives because these teachers can teach these electives. My daughter, I think I've told you this before, she wants to take Italian. She's a seventh grader. They offer Italian at a middle school across town you know, in, in Austin. And I talked to the principal. He's like, well, I'll talk to that principal. Maybe we can bus her. I'm like, why are we busing her when you could just put that put her in a lab with a TA or somebody that's just like making sure the kids aren't going crazy and just letting them take virtual classes. I could, that's gotta be the future of what schools are doing, at least middle and upper. You gotta have like a room somewhere where there can be a, an adult present just to make sure they're, again, they're staying sort of on task, but then they're just taking classes online. They're auditing classes. And then eventually we can break the geographic part, which is what that sounds like Meriden did is like, say, it doesn't have to be in our district anymore. Maybe it's just in the near community or maybe it's in the state or the US, or eventually, why couldn't she take Italian from an, a teacher in Italy? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. time zones. You start thinking that way. That's, I feel like that's what's going to come changing in this pandemic, that part of it. And you know, what I told Barb Mark too, it's like, how, who are you telling about this? Like, who knows about this? Yes, get that out there. Um, because, you know, they both said with confidence, we won. Like, we won in this. And they both said with confidence, they won too. Like, they feel like they got the better end of the deal. And when you both feel like that, and the kids are winning, like, it's, you know, a win-win. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Education Insider. Again, I'm Jacob Hansen, the CEO at PRP Group and your host of today's episode. I want to give a big shout out to Carl Hooker. Thank you for joining us. Um, give a quick sneak peek and preview that Carl will be joining us for episode three um, as well, where we're going to really dig more into sales and some of those kinds of things that, that we've seen impacted in the pandemic. 
Uh, but while y'all are waiting for that to be published, you know, do us a favor, drop us a line, let us know, let Carl know what other topics can we cover in subsequent episodes here at, at the Education Insider. Uh, you know, we launched this podcast just to make sure that all of you are getting support and insights into what's going on with your buyers, um, what's going on inside education uh, so that you can make a bigger impact. Um, so please like, subscribe, you know, and, and drop your comments. Thanks so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Education Insider.